Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. If you've ever hoped to be invited to a Broadway opening night after party, the one you would want to catch would be the one featured in four-time Tony-winning Terrence McNally's hilariously funny comedy called It's Only a Play. It's already set the all-time box office record at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater on West 45th Street, and in it, Steven Spielberg, Lady Gaga, Bill Gates, Denzel Washington, Liza Minnelli, and the entire cast of The Lion King, among many others, show up downstairs while the cast and producers nervously await reviews upstairs in the producer's bedroom. I'm thrilled that we could have two of its stars, Matthew Broderick, who plays the anxious playwright, Peter Austin, and Micah Stock, who's Gus P. Head, the coat check guy, who has his hands quite full, back to our show. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks. Among the other stars in the production, aside from Stockard Channing, uh, Megan Mullally, Rupert Grint, F. Murray Abraham, is Nathan Lane. What's it like to be reunited with your old comic partner in crime, Matthew? <laughs> well, it's a it's a pleasure. Uh, it's our third time, well, fourth, really, because we did the movie, The Producers, too. So fifth, now mm-hmm. that I think of it, we did... Um, is that Lion- getting tired yet? <laughs> we, <laughs> we did Lion King, is how we started, how this wonderful relationship began. Um, but he's he's a great, great actor, and I'm, it's amazing. I don't have anybody I've worked with on a regular basis like this before. In most instances, I would almost imagine that backstage it's even funnier than it is on stage, except with this play. This is true. Yeah. No, it's a really funny crew, and we often have to hold it together. Well, what happened during rehearsals, Micah? Well, I just remember, you know, I'm lucky to sort of be an observer for much of the play, both on and off stage. And I went through several pairs of pants. Did you? I did. <laughs> Who cracks you up the most? I'm, we should me. set up a competition, right? Matthew Broderick. Yeah, <laughs> no, he really does. Matthew is uncommonly funny. And uh, I often have to sort of give him the the stop signal backstage before I go on. Yeah, because... he doesn't like to, to be messed with before he enters. <laughs> he, he does something he calls concentrating. When he gets, he gets you prepare, to, actually? Yeah. Some actors like to be messed with before they go on. He does not. He, I, do I have not. an entrance with my coats. I have to be very focused. I endow the coats with a great deal <laughs> okay. of weight. How much does Jack O'Brien, the, the director who's just brilliant at comedy, encourage that sort of thing? Was Terrence McNally at the rehearsal? Yes. Terrence was there most all the time, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, Jack gave had a very nice uh, atmosphere of um, the freedom. I mean, everybody made jokes all day, and so does Jack. So the overall atmosphere is is kept kind of fun. 
Most well, of the I'm, time. I'm assuming it's Tucker Channing, who is yeah. one of the most brilliant comic actresses, is funny in her own life as well. She is funny. There, um, there was no shortage of funny people around, but it's Megan also Megan Mullally. Yeah, right. But you know, of course. Comedies get very serious once you start working on them and saying, how long should I pause before this? Should I cut this word? Should this connect to this thought? You know, it gets very technical at some point. So we went through that, too. The week sort of leading up to previews, the play stopped being funny to us and the work stopped being (laughs) funny because you have to get the mechanics and the choreography right for other people to enjoy it. I've had uh, serious, so-called serious actors tell me that the hardest thing is comedy, and some of them are afraid to even try it. I've heard that too. I, I don't know if well, I find it harder. Why do you harder. think that would be? That well, why would comedy be harder to do than than drama? I don't know. It, I don't know You've that it both. is for me. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little more technical sometimes. So people are, it's easy to lose laughs. One little. Uh, change in timing or intonation and suddenly something is not funny and and you struggle you go crazy trying to figure out what happened why did everybody think this was hilarious and now they don't so it's technical and difficult in that way and in your case micah you have all of those pauses those think you the timing is critical to your character yeah absolutely and i think it's one of the reasons people say that about comedy is the the pressure and the expectation to be funny. You know, yeah. if you do a drama and there's sort of a surprising joke or there's comedy layered in, it's a wonderful thing. But when you're labeling this is a, a comedy, you know, like stand-up right. comedians, oh, yeah. which is you're saying, I'm going to be funny. And that comes with a whole stuff. And the reviews will often say, well, it was billed as a comedy, but there weren't yeah. too many laughs. Sure. Well, they're not <laughs> saying it about this one. <laughs> this may be the premiere on Broadway of It's Only a Play, but haven't there been different incarnations of it over the years? Yes. Uh, Nathan is like the art historian on the history of the play, but it, it uh, I know it was, uh, it started as a, it was supposed to be on Broadway and it was called something else. Broadway, Broadway. Broadway, Broadway. And it didn't come in from out of town, right? I think it kind of got, and Terrence would say this, I think it kind of got slammed yeah. out of town and it just, it got shut down. But then it opened off Broadway as it's only a play in the 80s mm-hmm. and was very, very successful. But it's been updated now. Now it's, all, yeah, he still updated it in the 90s, also did it in L.A. when I saw it mm-hmm. with Charles Nelson Reilly. And um, then now he made it all very current. All the references are, you know, instant, they're Whatever just happened that day goes into the place. So a lot of dirt gets uh, slung at various people. Yes. Delicious. Not, not you, though. I heard that. Not me. Well, I'm not picking up, but Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> and she was in the audience. <laughs> did, yeah, did, but did she, people did, take this well? No, well, you, oh, it's very kindly to her and almost everybody. It's not, it's not, most of them are not nasty. And Terrence always says it's not, he didn't mean it to be name drop. It's just that it's about a show business party. So that's. Of course, it's going to the be the people name-drop. are name dropping. Yeah. yeah, and also, if it was about baseball, you'd talk about baseball players. You have to talk about them. My guests are Matthew Broderick and Micah Stock, two of the stars of the new backstage comedy called It's Only a Play at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater at 236 West 45th Street. Was Is there a, a party, an opening night party now, similar to, these, to the thing in the play? Did you have one for this? Yeah. So you had a party and then on stage and then a party. Well, we we went through 
previews and critics in the audience and an opening night party while we were doing a play about critics and an open. It was really Very one of the strangest experiences I've ever been through. Well, in the old days when they did uh, the, the after the opening party, uh, people would be waiting for the yeah. reviews to come in from the Herald Tribune yeah. and the New York Times. Right. But actors tell me today they don't read their reviews. Even if you don't read them, there's I don't think there's any actor who is not that night waiting to hear what his fate is. So I, I don't like to read them either, but I you get a you get a vibe. There's kind of no avoiding that. Uh I hope like maybe some just forget the whole thing, but I I don't know. That opening night party is a I find it pretty terrifying. Especially, you, Micah? Well, I was I went in sort of naively because it was my first Broadway show, my first opening night party, and I thought this is gonna be great. <laughs> And so some of it was, but it was almost all, no, no, it wasn't terrible. But there was so much more sort of work and tension involved than I ever thought there would be. And I f- was kind of like, oh, I, I get the play. But don't <laughs> more you now. don't you get a sense of whether something is going to do well during rehearsals? I don't no? know about that. You I mean, do, you, you, you know, know you know when when the the lines are funny and when yeah, when, maybe. I mean, in the case of well, you can the case of Micah that he has all these pauses and you're never sure whether he's missing the jokes or just yeah. processing or scared well, and that a, gets laughs in itself. It's about half and half in Micah's case. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's the joke. That's my <laughs> little joke. You no, know, it was I a know, good joke. Micah's fantastic. Yeah. He's like our our neutron bomb. Uh, I mean, in terms of killing comedy, the audience that you, you know, this play, I think the only I don't know anything about whether something is good or whatever or going to be successful. But I do know when we got in front of an audience, they were it was instantly clear that they liked the idea. I mean, we heard a lot of laughs that we were not sure were coming. Yeah, and that the, was hard in the rehearsal process, you know, but uh, that last week we were talking about. Because we didn't know the we didn't, we always thought the play was funny, but then it was not funny yeah, for a week. That's Especially exactly you know, I have all these visual jokes, and they were just like everybody gets tired of them. We've all seen them, and then we start to think that maybe that's not funny, and so it's very refreshing to see have new eyes. And then, of course, um, there are those nights when one joke goes over better than the other. Absolutely, do you have any sense of why that is? No, I really. Do you think audiences have a? Each audience has its own personality. Absolutely. I don't know how it happens, but it's absolutely true. 1,500 people behave as a, as a single person, and it's a different person each night. In the play, people are very anxious about catching New York 1. I guess that's, yeah. th- that's the first review that comes in yeah. now. Uh-huh. It's not Walter Kerr anymore. Right, yeah. They, well, the TV comes before the uh, print. Is it, is it true, Matthew, that Peter Austin is a stand-in for Terrence McNally? Isn't yeah. that a big responsibility? Yes, it is, <laughs> which which uh, Terrence keeps reminding me of. You're playing me, you know. Um, but so he's, he's willing to reveal that he's a bit pompous. Oh well, I don't know if he thinks he's. I, he he said uh, he told me once. Thank you for not making me sound too pompous. I I know it ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that's okay to say. He wrote me that. Um, yeah, he he's it is it is a it's a. It's a responsibility, and also when the writer is sitting right there and you're playing somebody who he based on himself, it's it's a little intimidating. Well, you play him earnest. Yeah, I, well, I hope I play him the way he wrote him. Uh, he's angry, too, you know. It's an angry person in some ways that, that Terrence has created. 
Now, Micah, you also played in a previous Terrence McNally play off Broadway. I did, yeah, called And Away We Go. That was at the Pearl. Mm-hmm. Was it at all a similar feeling? You know, uh, obviously, you weren't in. The, uh, you didn't have the kind of cast you have here. Sure. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, they're very different plays, but they're sort of cousins in the sense that they deal with the theater and its history and the people inside of it. So that was. But that one sort of took place across the ages, and this one is a moment in time. Nathan Lane's character, James Wicker, is the dear friend of the playwright. Uh, but he's turned the play down since he, he doesn't really like it. Uh, but he uses the excuse of his commitment to his long-running sitcom. And he's backbiting and hoping that the play fails just so that he won't feel like he made the wrong yep. choice. <laughs> ha- have you ever regretted turning down a role? Either of you? Micah? I've never turned down a role. <laughs> That's because you say you've never you well. <laughs> because you've said that over your career, you've often, most of the... The time well, spent I, not on the stage. I'm at the beginning of my career. Yeah, it's so. you know, it's, when you're beginning, it's nice because you just want every job, and anybody who says okay, you you're very happy, and you jump in. <laughs> I liked that period, but eventually you have to say no. I don't think this is good, and inevitably, you want to shoot yourself. Well, because uh, we, there are so many cases of people turning down no. the, the roles that made somebody else. Everybody had George yeah. Raft turning down a role that made Humphrey Bogart famous, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, there's a million examples of that. You were all, Micah, you also in 4,000 Miles uh, uh, mm-hmm. at, at the, at the long, long Wharf? Yeah. Yeah, I love that play. Um, and I'd seen it in New York. I had a friend who was in it, and uh, I'm a big fan of Amy Herzog. And so I wanted to go do that play before I got too old to do it. In this play, you play a, uh, a Kochek guy. Have either of you had those kinds of jobs? Uh, most actors, of course, it's waiting yeah. if, they're, if they have another kind of job. Well, I, I started acting pretty young, so I have a very... I don't have a whole lot of fun stories about when I worked at a car wash. <laughs> I wish I did. But. You did work at a car wash? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did sort of uh, paint furniture for a little while. That's my that's my only real job. I have done plenty of those jobs, and not that long ago. You, you, you would, might be doing months, a matter of months, yeah. in fact. And I may be doing them again when this know. show closes. Yeah, never know. You as Gus, the actor slash singer slash dancer slash comedian slash performance artist slash mime, have uh, a wide-eyed wonder in this play. I mentioned that um, that timing when you pause after a stinger. We don't know whether your character has got it or not. Yeah. Um, Does it vary night after night? Yeah, sometimes, you know, some of those jokes, you know, Nathan's character makes a joke and Gus continually doesn't get them or know that a joke is even happening. So some nights you can hold it if the audience is really into it and sort of get a double out of what might be a single laugh. But sometimes you get to just plow forward. Matthew, as someone who's been up there so many times and for such long stretches, does it lose its awesomeness? Um, no, I, not really. Um, uh, I think everybody at a, in a long run, it does lose its awesomeness occasionally, but it tends to come back and, um, I still, still basically love it. I'm annoyed a lot at it, but I, I, at my job, but I, 
deep down, I actually love it, I think. Didn't your rehearsal room look out at Madame Tussauds Museum where you and Nathan Lane exist yes. in yes. tuxedo-clad wax? Yes. We, what was that experience like, seeing yourself uh, in a, as a wax statue? Did it, well, were you happy with the way they made you look? Yeah, it looks like a slightly better version of me, or, <laughs> or younger anyway. It looks exactly like you, so if you weren't happy with it, that would be... It's a really fun pro- – I'll tell you that. It's fun when they do it. They measure your head for like three hours with with tongs. <laughs> and it's a very interesting process. Uh, yeah, I wish the – we kept thinking could the wax figures come to the rehearsal and we could go there or yeah. the, the, couldn't, couldn't work that out. <laughs> the play seems to suggest that the current state of Broadway theater is, is bleak. Do you feel that way? Micah? This uh, is your big chance. Well, no. I mean, I think I I agree with much of Terrence's, what do you call it, declaration about this, sure. you know, Broadway. About but the British I, I invasion, for example. Yeah, but I don't think he thinks it's bleak. I think he's making a point that, you know, it's fine to have, you know, the the British invasion and it's fine to have, you know, these big splashy musicals. But you also need those you know, you need your streetcar named Desires and you need your, you know, O'Neill to um, keep the conversation going. Well, okay, not O'Neill's, but uh, Matthew, your good friend, Kenneth Lonergan's yeah. early play, This Is Our Youth, yeah. has finally made it to Broadway, got rave reviews. Yeah. Is doing well. Yeah. So there's still a, a place for that. In fact, it wasn't considered Broadway g- good enough for Broadway years ago, and and yes. now it and it's, is. On yeah, it, that kind of fl- flies in the face of um, some of the. Yeah, it's also not stunt casted. You know, it's it's um, that's a wonderful production too. This is our youth at the court. Um, I, I think. Yeah, you can always complain about Broadway, too. But when I started, when I did Brighton Beach, you know, 30 years ago, whenever it was, uh, half the theater... You won a Tony for that? No, you didn't win a Tony for that. I did. I did. How dare you suggest that I did not (laughs) win a Tony. Um, (laughs) You won the youngest winner of a Tony for uh, Best Featured Actor in a Play. Yeah. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Yeah, You hold a record. Yeah. I think Lassie... No, she was a little older. Um, There's a dog in this play too. We should mention. Yeah. Uh, anyway, when I did when we did that play, I remember like half the theaters were empty. Terrence will say this too. So, in the early '80s or the '70s, it looked like I mean they were tearing theaters down because they they really were empty, and now you you can't get a space when you write a play. So, so that's in some ways that's got to be good that these theaters are crowded with people that we have to appreciate that. Now, Mikey, you've said that even in a good year, you've been unemployed for more weeks than you've been employed. Do you have any, uh, any suggestions, any advice for people who are starting out? Uh, just keep showing up. And <laughs> if they, if they tell you to leave, show up again. That's, good. Uh-huh. That's all. <laughs> I mean, it's been, you know, I've had a great year and an amazing year, but you know, there was a good portion of this. I wasn't working. In your case, Matthew, uh, didn't Mel Gusso, the former New York Times critic, change your life when he happened to see you in an off-Broadway production of Harvey Firestein's Torch Song trilogy, which was yeah. just about to close? If yeah. you'd come a couple of weeks yeah, later, I think would, he, would your career have been totally different? Probably. I mean, the whole it, it was the whole play. The play was not – nobody was coming to it. It was over four hours long in this teeny little uh, fourth-floor theater. Oh, really? 
Yeah, and the water would leak when it rained, would pour onto the set, which I've never seen that before. And Harvey Firestein would move the house plants over to where the water was dripping. <laughs> and Mel Gusso came and said, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and uh, or uh, nearly, and um, suddenly, boom, full. And then suddenly we moved to a really nice theater. And, you know, and the effects that had on my career were were huge. And it, it all would probably not have happened had... Mr. Gus not come. And uh, this play, of course, is already breaking box office records, so that's not a problem. But isn't it a limited engagement? Yes, it, it's January uh, 4th. 4th. January 4th. So, Michael, what's going to happen after you stop seeing your name on the marquee? This is the first time it's yeah, happened. You're going to be impossible. I think I'm going to go to a very uh, dark withdrawal place, a lot of little Debbie snacks. Don't they know who I used to be? <laughs> I'll be walking down 8th Avenue. Did you see Did you see? It's only a play? Matthew Broderick stars as the playwright Peter Austin, and Micah Stock is the literally just-off-the-bus coat check attendant Gus P. Head in Terrence McNally's backstage comedy. It's only a play, which is at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater at 236 West 45th Street. For ticket information, go to our show page at wnyc.org. And you only have a couple of months to see this play because then all of these incredible actors will be off doing other things. Yes. Except for me. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, Micah, maybe a producer, maybe a casting agent is listening right now. Who knows? Yes, there may be a future for you. Maybe they'll stretch some more time out of our Oh, yeah. Our well, that show. would be nice, too. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on our show again. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. 